We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. Well, welcome again to another edition of Healing Stories. Today, we have my friend, Dr. Indy Ukwe. And Dr. Ukwe, it's a great pleasure to be with you and have a chance to speak with you. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you, Martin. It's, it's an honor to be here with you and uh, talk about this. Well, uh, a little bit about me. Um, I'm one of five children, born to parents back home in Nigeria. I grew up in the southeast part of Nigeria and uh, went to medical school there. Um, in 2005, I left and <clears throat> had an opportunity in St. George's Medical School in Grenada. That's in the West Indies. And I taught in the medical school there for two years and then wrote my licensing exams, came to New York, did my residency in pediatrics, which I've always loved. And then after that, I moved down to the South. And uh, I've been in Arkansas for the past uh, seven, eight years. One of the great things we share together is children. And I know recently you have had one. Uh, And being a pediatrician, uh, how appropriate that you now really have this piece in your life of of what it means. Uh, Yes, I mean, it's, uh, I've always loved children, you know, right from a young age, I've always loved children, and it was easy to make that transition to, into pediatrics as a, uh, my specialty in medicine, and then outside of work, I also love children, I just love playing with children and hanging around, and, you know, we had a, we have a, a really neat story because we, you know, we tried for so long to have a child. You know, we tried for seven years, and uh, nothing was working. And we tried IVF. It failed. Spent a lot of money doing that. Mm. It, it was not a success. And after that experience, you know, it was traumatic, you know. It's the pain, the psychological pain and everything. It's like, we've tried everything, you know. What else is left to do? So we kind of, we didn't give up as in give up, but we kind of felt, okay, We've done our best. There's nothing left for us to do. So we just continue living our lives. Then it so happened that one of my wife's colleagues, you know, heard the story and was like, wow, I didn't know you guys were dealing with all this all these years, you know, but on the face of you, you all look so happy and all that. I'm like, you don't have to wear your hat on your sleeves all the time. So he asked her, you know, that he has a pastor of a church in Little Rock who has, you know, this special anointing about praying for couples looking for a child. Would we like to go to the church and talk to the pastor? And we said, yes, I mean, we're Christians. We don't, we never say no to prayers. I mean, our families, both families have been praying for the last seven years for this to happen. So um, we agreed, we went to the church, the pastor, you know, prayed for us, invited us to come back again to have a one-on-one session with us. We went back the following Saturday, and he said he's been praying, and, you know, he didn't see anything, you know, that would prevent us from having a child, and that, you know, that he's going to give us a seven-day prayer, give us some anointing oil, give us some Bible vas- uh, passages to read, um, that we should do it for seven days and just believe that it will happen. And he told us, in fact, that he believes that it's going to happen faster than we think, and we're going to be surprised. And he said, thank you. We appreciate that. 
mean, we've been praying for seven years. We've been praying, praying for seven exactly years. Exactly, for this. Seven-year prayer. Exactly. So I'm like, what's our other seven days? Yeah. It's not a big deal. Uh-huh. We can do this. So we went back home. He mailed us um, the prayer <clears throat> and the Bible passage, passages okay. in the email in the mail, and mailed us the anointing oil. We got that. Started that on a Wednesday night because he wanted us to do it from midnight. We anoint ourselves and mm. read the Bible passages. So we did that. It's about thirty minute prayer. We did that the first night on Wednesday. The next day, my wife goes to work and starts feeling very uncomfortable, feeling. You know, just not feeling herself, you know, you know, kind of malaise, you know, headaches and all that. And her nurse was teasing her, maybe you should do a pregnancy test. It's like, why should I do that? But just maybe. The nurse wouldn't let her be, so she went and did the urine pregnancy test. It was positive. Wow. After the first night of prayer. And <clears throat> she's like, she didn't believe it, so she repeated it again after about an hour. Peed again. It was positive. We still didn't believe it. We had to do the blood test that's more sensitive. Blood test, it was positive. And we, at this time, we refused to tell anybody because it's like, how can I mean? Sure. Yeah. We never, we unexplainable. Unexplainable. A miracle almost. Exactly. Yes. So we waited for like two months until we went for our first OB visit and they did the ultrasound and we saw the baby kicking on the ultrasound. What did you think in that moment, I mean, seeing that baby kick? I know. It, the only thing I could think of is how awesome God is. Huh. You know, it's good. because we've tried it our own way. We've tried it through science, IVF, expensive stuff. And when we did the IVF, they put two embryos in yeah. there. And they told us, oh, 85% success because there was nothing wrong with my wife. Nothing wrong. Everything looked great. Yeah. 85% success. Yeah. It didn't take. Tried and the second round. It didn't take. So I'm like, and then after we've kind of given up hope, and then we see this baby kicking in there, perfectly healthy baby. Went on to be the smoothest pregnancy ever. My wife worked for 40 weeks, never took off work for one day. Wow, 40 weeks 40 of weeks. Work. It was on the first day after the 40 weeks that she just went in for induction. Huh. So, you know, uneventful pregnancy. Maybe comes out, comes out well. And what it teaches me is like, you know, so many times, you know, we try so much in our own way, and God could just be up there smiling at us and say, unless it's my own time, it's not going to happen. A real faith that yes. you have exactly. as a physician. Yes. And, and not as a, a place where you're uh, on a daily basis mm. seeing miracle. Yes. But isn't it true that on the ordinary days that extraordinary things happen? Absolutely. And who knows what that's going to be for our, our listeners today? Absolutely. Uh, what will be extraordinary for people today? And yeah. you always strike me as someone you walk tall, you come in, and your approach is one which says, this is who I am. Mm. And how do we help people to get in that presence of something extraordinary might happen today? Yeah. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes we look for some things exotic to mm. call it extraordinary. But to me, um, my personal life story has taught me that certain things that are very simple can be considered extraordinary. You know, you know think about it. The fact that you wake up every morning, um, it's not the alarm clock that woke you up. Huh. You know, if you think it's an alarm clock that woke you up, put it across a dead person. It's not going to wake up. The fact that you wake up with all your faculties intact and walking, your hands 
Most people have their two hands, their two eyes, their legs, their brain is working. To me, that's a great miracle. Because consider this, if you ever have an issue or a situation where uh, you just have a minor ailment, you know, there was one time I had, you know, growing up in Nigeria, there was one time um, I had river blindness. River blindness? Yes. Wow. What is river blindness for those <coughs> river, know? river blindness is like a, um, a kind of situation where the tiny worms that you see in slow-moving rivers, mm-hmm. um, filaria worms, they can, this insect can bite you and lay their eggs, and it can crawl into your eyes and kind of cause kind of blindness. It's one of the commonest causes of blindness in sub-Saharan Africa. And many people wouldn't even know this. Many people wouldn't even know this. You're getting the water from there. You're exactly. taking a bath. Exactly. And water. You can think about all the people who are listening today who never had to think about Absolute, river blindness. Absolutely. But this is what you grew up with. Yes. And I had this. I remember I had this when I was in my high school. And what it causes me during the night, it kind of causes blurry vision. I couldn't see. And it was so uncomfortable. And I thought I was going to go blind. And one of the things that saved me then was <clears throat> my mom is a pharmacist, uh-huh. so she was working with the WHO, and they just introduced this drug called ivermectin. It was a trial medication um, to cure this river blindness. And they gave me one pill, just one pill, and it cured it. And so what I thought at that time was, you know, this tiny, tiny insect bit me and caused this, and I almost went blind. But every day you wake up with your 2020 vision and you take it for granted. Yeah. You know? But it's simple to so many people, but to somebody who is suffering that situation, it's a big deal. If you can just ask for one thing, say, Can I just see again? Can I just have this side be correct? And you can apply that in so many other ways, you know, people who can use their hands, people who can drive with their cars. People who have two legs, you know, everything is functioning well. This is just the basics, you know. The basics of gratitude. Exactly. You've seen so much of someone who wakes up, mm-hmm. and even though the alarm, I imagine you don't need an alarm. I do not need You an do alarm. not need an alarm. <laughs> the wake-up is here, yeah. right? And and you have this sense of, well, what will today be? Yeah. What will the gratitude be that I yeah. start with? And we've often wondered about these three questions. Who am I? Mm-hmm. What do I want mm-hmm. and what am I grateful for? Yes. And it always seems to me in watching you in the hospital and the pediatric clinic that that third question, what am I grateful for, is one that really is the intention of your life. How did that happen? How, how did you come to such a sense that gratitude is the way to live as a physician? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we are, we, have, we are a summary of our life experiences. Mm-hmm. I, I believe my life experiences um, sincerely... Uh, you know, prepared me for my, you know, my outlook on life and how I see life. You know, I've had several life experiences. <clears throat> One of them was June 8, 2002. I was back home in Nigeria and had a close shave encounter with death. Okay, so um, some thieves broke into our home. I was living, I was just fresh from college, from medical school. I was living with one of my friends. We had four boys in the house. We were just watching the, the news at 9 o'clock, and these criminals broke into the house. We didn't have any money then. They didn't get enough money, and they wanted us to. They were angry, yeah. more or less. So they told us to you know, march in a single file into the bedroom. 
and they told us to bring out all the money in this house. And we told them that's all the money we had. They took, they took our cell phones, everything. And, <clears throat> well, they told us, well, since we don't have mon- enough money, they're going to kill us. Mm-hmm. And we thought they were joking. So they told us to all lay down and start saying our last prayers. And we actually lay down, we knelt down, and we actually started saying our last prayers. It was not a joke. They had already shot one of our neighbors, so these people were serious. So we started saying our last prayers. What was that like for you? My goodness, it was out of this world. Huh. I mean, it was just How old out were of you? I was, uh, I was probably around 27. 27, yeah, and 26. you're saying the last prayer? I was saying, my, I was saying God, please uh, forgive me for whatever I may have done that was not against your will, that was against your will. Please accept my soul. So I make this transition. It was serious. So then you're my there, heart was bumping, pumping. Your heart is pumping. Yeah. You're saying the prayer, and then what happens? Then what happens next was these guys cocked their gun, put the nozzle on our necks, four of them against four of us, and we're saying our last prayer. Then the next thing we heard, one of them outside said something. It was a coded language. We didn't understand what he, he meant. Said something, and then in lightning speed, these guys left us and left the house. So we thought maybe they were still around. So we refused to get up. We were still there. And it was only when we had our neighbor that was shot, he was bleeding, and they were trying to take him to the hospital that we now got up and discovered these guys had left the compound because it was like uh, a block of flats. And so when we came out, so we discovered what happened was, for some reason, these guys had knew that the police was coming. So that coded language was for these guys to leave the house fast. Let us make a getaway. And less than 10 minutes, the police landed in that compound. Wow. So if you don't call that a miracle, what do you call it? That's like right. I said, they already shot somebody in another you know, uh-huh. building, and it was, it was just very traumatic. That, that's why I don't forget that date, June 8, 2002. And what it makes me realize, you know, some of the things we take for granted or some of the things we complain so much about, especially when I moved to this country, like I said, my life experiences made me realize there's so many things to be grateful for. Instead of complaining and complaining so much, just enjoy all the things God has given us, you know. So for me, gratitude is a big deal in my life. And, you know, mercy and grace, God's mercy and grace that continues to let us to live, and then gratitude to him for all the many things he has given us. Now, granted, as individuals, you have so many things you want to do or you want sure. to achieve. That's not, you keep trying to pursue your dreams. But while you're doing that, it's very, very important to be, for, to be grateful and to be happy for where you are and what you have. Do you ever think about those people who put that gun in your I head? do. I, have you forgiven them? Of course, absolutely. If you, if you don't forgive... He really cannot move on. Right. You know, I once read a quote from um, uh, Indira Gandhi. He said that forgiveness is an attribute of the strong. The weak can never forgive. And when you get to 11 in your life, where you learn to forgive people who have hurt you, I mean, you are on a higher level. And what the other thing I've learned is that, you know, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Yes. When you forgive, it's for your own good, you know, so that you can move on. Because you don't stay hurt, you know, in that situation. But for you to have reconciliation, the person that caused the hurt to you has to come to you and say sorry and apologize, and then you can work it out. 
But in a situation where the person doesn't come to you or is not interested in coming to you, I believe sincerely you as an individual needs to move on, you know, by forgiving the person so that you can have a peaceful heart. We sit in this health system, in this hospital. You will go back and you will see patients today and and we'll have meetings, yet isn't mercy an aspect of healing? Absolutely. Mercy is... uh, it's a big aspect of it, and that's why I mentioned that you know, it's, it's such a wonderful feeling to uh, to work in a health system like this, where you know people do not shy away from talking about faith, right. you know, and talking about you know where it all started—the healing ministry of Jesus, you know, because that's where it started. And mercy is very, very important. You have to have mercy on people. You have to be compassionate on people and on patients and. Like I said in my healing story, you know, I've found that, you know, people who, you know, have a positive outlook and have faith tend to heal a lot faster and heal better. This is a phenomenon that I think we need to continue to explore, right? I mean, you you see these patients come in. You have a great uh, view of moms Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. and the things that they carry, the tremendous pressure of being a mom. Yes. Uh, We both know that uh, there's nothing like it. And how to free people up from some of that burden is part of the practice that you show as a physician. Yes. Uh, and how do you how do you say something to a mom who's really struggling uh, with what they're carrying? Because they almost are carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. What do you say to them? Yeah, the it is it's even more important in pediatrics, and I mean more than eighty percent of what we do. It's all about reassurance, you know. Reassurance. Reassurance is very big in pediatrics because, like you say, moms, especially new moms, you know, they get so easily overwhelmed, you know, with a crying child, thinking if the child is going to be all right, it's going to be okay, and, you know, oh, this child, this is not working. And in this culture, people are a little bit very impatient. Impatient? <laughs> <laughs> very impatient. So, you know, you, the child has an infection. You give some treatment. The mother calls you back the next day and says, you know, that, oh, this is not working. You know, I need something. They want something instant. So one of the things I do is, for the most part, you know, I just sit down with these parents and tell them, listen, your child is going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay. Sometimes when they hear that from coming from the doctor, they feel a lot better. And, you know, especially for children with some maybe serious medical issues or chronic medical issues, um, sometimes it's very, very challenging um, for mothers to understand what's going on and for them to know exactly if my child is going to be okay. That's the bottom line they want to know. I had an, a situation where I had this mom that had, um, the child had this, you know, very chronic medical problem that, had to send to some specialties, um, and mom always comes back to me after going to see the specialists at Children's because they never really spend time to explain to her or to tell her, oh, this is going to happen. Like this child, children with this kind of condition usually develop uh, seizures. So the neurologist at Children tells mom, oh, he's going to develop seizures before he's age one. And mom is always scared, and she comes back and tells me, and I always tell her, you know, listen, based on the scientific studies, that is true. But what I'm telling you is that you never say never in medicine. That's number one. <clears throat> every, every case does not write the textbook, okay? So every case is not textbook. So even though it's common that, you know, children with this kind of condition might develop seizures, there's no guarantee. So I want you to stay positive and remain positive 
just like as I'm positive, I don't think this child is going to have seizures. And I thought that, well, if he does develop seizures, yeah, we'll deal with that. But in the meantime, I'm going to stay positive. This, you know, this and aspect of positivity yeah. is a medicine. It is a medicine. It is a medicine. It's medicine. It is, it's not, the power it's of not, positive yes. thinking. You know, it is, I, I think it's true. Right? Yeah. How, and you see this as you are with moms yes. or you are with parents mm-hmm. and you just say, oh, I want to reassure exactly. you. Exactly. Why is it that we have lost reassurance in medicine, I think one of the reasons is because um, you know pe- things move too fast, huh. and people get swamped with you know we have to see so many patients. You don't have time to sit down and explain to this mom this. You know, many just like even in psychology, you know, many times patients don't need medications. No, all they need is words, comforting words from the doctor's lips. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what they need, and that's that will heal them faster than. Any medication will heal them. But then the reality of medicine in this country is that, you know, they will not reimburse the psychologist for doing psychotherapy with the words of his mouth. They will not. But they will reimburse him if he prescribes Xanax. Mm -hmm. And that, to him, makes more sense for his wallet. Okay? So most times, it's not because the doctors don't want to do this, but because of the realities of the situation, they just have to do the easy way out and, you know, make sure they don't lose their money from reimbursement. And it's so painful because, more, like I said, more than 50% of medicine is all about reassurance and the words coming from our lips. Just like they say in the Bible that, you know, the lips have the power to heal or to kill. You know, the words that come out from your lips can uplift somebody and can also kill somebody. I was told by uh, one of our physicians who uh, is a Muslim, mm-hmm. he said that in his faith, he will be judged by his tongue. Absolutely. And you wonder how in our world and in our, our politics mm-hmm. in our institutions, how can we be more uh, appreciative of the words we use mm-hmm. with people and how those words, they can have a lasting effect on what our healing is. Absolutely. Uh, I wonder how we begin to teach people more in medicine that healing happens through reassurance, yeah. per prescribing yeah. reassurance. And you're right, I've been there. Yeah. I've been in trying to see, well, how will my son mm. live? You know, what will happen? Mm-hmm. And some of the most positive moments was seeing you, uh, seeing the leaders who I work with, give me reassurance. Yeah. And that, to me, is what we can offer in medicine. Absolutely. And how we build communities of reassurance yeah. might be something that we look to in the future. Yeah, it's something we, we need to look forward into. Uh, it, it, it's no way to minimize the importance of the other aspects of medicine, Correct. other aspects of science. While we promote that, I sincerely believe personally that we need to focus more attention on uh, being positive, the words we use, and you know how we communicate to patients and their families, it makes a world of difference in their lives. And, you know, the fact that a patient heaves a sigh of relief after talking to you can go a long way in healing that patient. You know? Dr. Rukwe, thank you for helping us Absolutely. to have a little relief today <laughs> and to have a little reassurance. And I want you to keep that laugh up, all right? Because yes, it motivates us to absolutely. recognize that there is a miracle here. Absolutely. And even in the days that are ordinary, that's something extraordinary. Absolutely. And thank you for being that witness to us. Sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Join us next time for our healing stories. Thank you.